Live from Chicago, this is Bruce Dumont with our Beyond the Beltway analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor in your window, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Democrat Dave Lundy, Democrat John McDonough, Republican Judith Sherwin, and Republican C. Stephen Tucker. Our program tonight coming to you from the studios of WYND, The Answer, in suburban Chicago. That's a Salem radio station here in Chicago. Our toll-free lines are now open at 1-800-723-8289. That's 1-800-723-8289. If you'd like to tweet me a comment, it's at Dumo, at D-U-M-O. You can also find this program, Past and Future, at beyondthebeltway.com. And also, we are live on YouTube and also on uh, the Beyond the Beltway Facebook page. And again, you can find us everywhere. And again, tonight's program will look a little bit differently for those that are looking at the video portion because we are uh, we're in a different studio here at WIND in Chicago. But again, uh, we'll, we'll have a video portion of this show. But again, we've got the live radio show from coast to coast and border to border every Sunday night. Uh, lots to talk about. And we've got people who are on this evening, and they have not had an opportunity to weigh in on the, the Mueller report and its impact politically. Uh, I'm the President of the United States, and so I'm going to begin. Stephen Tucker, I'm going to begin with you. You're one of our card-carrying Republicans. Uh, What's your reaction? Give us your 20-second assessment of the Mueller report. Uh, Thrilled that the President uh, was not uh, involved in any kind of Russian collusion. Um, And I found it interesting, the last 30 pages of Part 2, which was entirely unnecessary, but it was done anyway, uh, the tortured uh, Robert Mueller trying to find a way, <laughs> using Supreme Court precedent, any way he could, to convict the president of obstruction of justice. And, of course, he, he decided not to do so. Uh, so I'm glad that that is over. I'm hoping that we can move on from that onto more important issues like health care and the economy. Dave Lundy, you are a card-carrying Democrat. What was your reaction? Oh, I thought that uh, Mueller exposed uh, the, the real... Uh, you know, it's it's interesting. The president uh, has done a really excellent job of moving the goalposts um, from the beginning when he said there were no Russian. I didn't have any Russian contacts. I didn't have any business in Russia. Um, and then it turns out, well, uh, I actually was trying to build a, uh, the Trump Tower in Moscow. Um, I was doing it all throughout the campaign. Uh, so he lied about that. And then uh, turned out there were they said there were no contacts between his campaign and Russia, and there were actually about 140 contacts between his campaign and Russia. Um, so I thought the Mueller did a great job of articulating uh, the substance. And I think that my Republican friends and the president have uh, liked to ignore when Mueller said very specifically right off the bat, um, I'm not addressing collusion because collusion is not a legal concept that we can address. And I'm not going to look at prosecuting the president because he's the president. Judy Sherwin joins us. You are a Republican, and uh, you have gone. You've read the whole report. I did. I did. Your reaction? Uh, well, first of all, I mean that reading of the report that Dave just came up with is is really, I don't know. I'm not sure what he read uh, or if he <laughs> read it. Um, the report is very clear. It says it in so many different ways that there was no collusion, conspiracy, agreement anything of that kind between the president, 
the president's campaign and the Russian government, period. Nothing. Not there. Um, So, I mean, why that cannot be put to rest, I have no idea. I guess maybe there's some of that Eric Swalwell uh, evidence out there someplace <laughs> that Mr. Lundy is still hoping it's going to come up. It's certainly not in the report. And after two years, it's not there. I don't think it's there. John uh, John, Del- John McDonough also joins us, a broadcast and a, a print journalist uh, for many years at the Chicago Tribune. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a journalist, uh, John, uh, uh, did this report measure up to what you were expecting? Well, I started to uh, I started to read it. And um, after about uh, 10 or 12 pages, I started to skim it a little bit, uh, get through it a little more swiftly. Um, the bottom line was that, um, for, for the most part, I, uh, there wasn't a lot in it that really surprised me because most, uh, most of the important points had already come out uh, in the newspaper stories uh, mm-hmm. along the way. Uh, and so, uh, in a sense, it, uh, it it was a little bit of a disappointment because there were no big time bombs in it, uh, you know, all ready to pop. As a political document, is this going to affect any votes in any significant way? Dave? Well, before I answer that question, I just want to go back to something John said. He's right that so many of the stories that were in the Mueller report had come out already, But they had come out in the various media reports in the New York Times and the Washington Post in particular, and they were denied by the White House. The White House said all of these reports that came out that that uh, uh, that um, uh, various people had been asked uh, uh, to fire Mueller and and all the other things that they were all true, untrue. They were all fake news. And almost every single one of those stories that Trump denied and the White House denied turned out to be 100 percent true, according to the Mueller report. Judy, I think that's it? an important. Yeah. All right. What? So I, I don't what agree with that. About? I mean, and in particular, let's talk about this situation with Don McCann. I read that very carefully. And actually, I read it again this afternoon because I figured it would come up. Don McCann said the president told me to fire Mueller. When, in fact, the president did not tell him to fire Mueller. The president did not use the word fire. The president said, I believe Mueller has a great deal of conflict, and I want you to bring that up to Rosenstein. Mm -hmm. That is not, I want you to fire him. And even McCann agreed, according to Mueller, that, that he and the president had a slightly different take on what was said during that conversation. But McCann refused to document it in a memo. And the president was reasonably furious about it. And I don't blame him. The president is looking at this as an innocent man who's furious with what he's hearing about the people who are investigating him. Dave, what do you think of Judy's explanation? He's an innocent man who acts like a guilty man. No, but what um, about her other point? No, no. I think her other point is was was explicitly denied by McGahn's attorney. McGahn's attorney said, I don't understand why the White House is saying that it's not true when it is true and it's exactly what I told Mueller. That is not what the report says. That is exactly what what McGahn's lawyer said, No, it's not. McGahn's lawyers say a number of things. But McGahn, according to the report, and, and the report says this explicitly, that there were different memories of that meeting, and McGahn admits that the president did not ask him to fire Mueller, and and instead 
said these people have conflicts, bring it to Rosenstein's attention. Everybody in the world knows that these people had conflicts. I think Stephen, I'm there's get, nothing I'm, there he wrong said he, with he, that. Steve, he had Steve, conflicts Steve, and he had to go. Steve, right, right, weigh, in yeah. on, weigh in on that because you've read it as well. I did read it. It took me 16 hours. I only read it because I spent $35 million on it, so I better read it. <laughs> uh, but uh, the second section was entirely unnecessary, number one. It contains an awful lot of hearsay. None of that's been cross-examined in a court of law. It's everybody saying one thing, another person saying the other, but nothing's corroborated. So I don't trust anything that was said. I trust what the president said. Okay, 1-800-723-8289 is the phone number. 1-800-723-8289. I'm Bruce Dumont, live tonight from Elk Grove Village, right near Chicago. Thanks for joining us tonight. Hey y'all, I'm Blake Shelton. I love that country music connects people all over this great nation, but unfortunately so does something else. Childhood hunger. 15 million children struggle with hunger in America. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks works to rescue our surplus food to help provide billions of meals to families in need across the country. Join the fight against hunger at feedingamerica.org. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. I wasn't prepared to be a caregiver to mom. I had no idea how hard it would be and what I would need to know. Things I never thought of, like how to improve her mood and ways for me to stay positive. Luckily, I found the Caregiving Resource Center from AARP. It had articles about the basics, but also information about the hurdles I was facing. Caregiving Resource Center at aarp.org slash caregiving. Articles, tips, and tools to help you both care for your loved one and care for yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Back in Chicago, uh, we're actually in Elk Grove. I want to say Chicago. We're, we're the, we do a show from Elk Grove. But most people don't know where Elk Grove is, unless, of course, you live in Chicago. Then you know where Elk Grove Village lives. Uh, let me uh, ask you, Judy. Uh, or no, I'm going to ask John this question. Mm-hmm. Um, the president has announced that he is not going to cooperate with all the investigations in the House. He has said he does not want his current staff or, or prior staff uh, to cooperate with the House of Representatives. How do you think the public is going to react to that? Well, I mean, he's free to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. He's the president. And um, as in most of these situations, it'll be the courts that end up deciding one way or the other. Um, I think uh, when you, uh, you know, put the executive privilege uh, barrier over your administration, uh, you're basically like taking the Fifth Amendment. You're saying, I've got something to hide. Um, and uh, so in the short term, it, uh, it may serve its purposes, but in the longer public relations arc, uh, it may not. Dave Lundy? I don't understand what you mean when you say he's free to do that. He's not free to do that. Well, he's free he, to do it. He's the executive to... branch is subject to congressional oversight. No, no, he's free to so do it. it. Has and, been... and, the, and, it's, and the courts will make the decision. Yeah, but he's not free to do that. Well, and, and that's not American tradition. Um, the, the president is supposed to cooperate with congressional oversight. Mm-hmm. There is a separate branch of government. It's called checks and balances for mm-hmm. a reason. And the president does not have a right to just arbitrarily say, I'm not going to cooperate with any oversight by this Congress. Because remember, the first thing the president just declined oversight on was the investigation over White House security clearances. That is absolutely a legitimate inquiry by the Congress to, into the U.S. national security. And this president is deciding lawlessly 
that he will not cooperate in any way, shape, or form with oh, this Congress. Well, a president Stephen can do, Tucker. A president can do all Tucker. kinds of foolish things, Stephen, and uh, uh, that's what courts are for. Far ahead, be Stephen. it for me, gentlemen, to break up an argument amongst Democrats, because I'm <laughs> thoroughly enjoying it. But I think you should both acknowledge that this president had no executive privilege whatsoever throughout two years mm-hmm. of the Mueller report. Whilst Bill Clinton was inventing executive privileges, a man who used a woman as a humidor, and we have a president that's done nothing wrong for the full two years. So now you're just assuming, based on two years of having no executive what privilege at all, what does that have to do with the, with, with the, with the security? What does that have to do with security clearance? The, the, it's a legitimate they, oversight. At the, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the president of the United States gets input from various people who tell him. You might not want to give a security clearance to this person. You can give a security clearance to that person. It is his decision. Your basic problem, Dave, is you can't stand the fact that Donald Trump is your president. No, I can't and he stand has, the fact that Donald he Trump has, is lawless. He's not lawless. In what way is he, he lawless? He is following he, the law no, to the excuse letter. Excuse me, Judy. The fact is he overturned all of the security professionals in the White House, there you've already had a whistleblower he has that has come out right and said I'm that. sorry, you're referring to that. John Brennan he as a security professional? Right. Okay. He has James Comey? Right. Is that what you're talking about? Actually, no, I'm not. I'm talking about the person in the White House who currently is still an employee of the White House yeah. who said that on 30 different occasions, they were the professionals in the intelligence agencies who had reviewed the security applications had been overturned by the political professionals, and that had never happened had in her decades by the in the President White House. of the United Judy. States, who has the right to do that. People forget about Article Two powers to the President of the United States, and Article One gets to in, no in, in Article One gets to do oversight over that. Not, so, if okay, the President wants to assert nothing one, the president, one at a time, we're seeing the president one at a time. If the President wants to assert that. He had a specific legitimate reason to overturn the security professionals who had done the analysis, let him go before Congress, let this, those people go before Congress, and answer the congressional he inquiries. He has no Lady, obligation is always to done. do that. His None. people okay. have an absolute okay. obligation. Next, they do not have next an obligation question. Whatsoever. I want to ask our Democrats. That's not what the, I'm sorry, but that is not the position you guys took in any Democratic administration in the history of you this You should be planet. thanking this president for the last two years, not blocking any of the witch hunt that your party has put upon him, not to talk about the filthy FISA abuses that there were, were done. No filthy FISA abuses. Oh, really? Yeah, Tell me really. about the Steele dossier. You think that that was verified, that that was accurate? Excuse me. Did you actually read the, 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 the FISA warrant, not, the not one that it was read, available? Not only did I read the FISA warrant, I read the entire Mueller report. Did you read 400 pages of the Mueller report? No, as a matter of fact, I worked for a living. I didn't have time this oh, week so to read the so I took time to do it because I give a damn. Oh, you, you love to pontificate about, about nothing it. you didn't even read. No, I read it's a lot typical of things. you I read Democrats. The, no, got I read lots of opinions. No folks, facts. Folks, folks, None. Please, please. Give me a I break. like spirited discussions, but again, uh, on radio, it with four voices, it really doesn't work. So please, uh, let me let me direct the conversation, and, and I want everybody to get their point in. I want to hear from the Democrats whether or not you think impeachment of the president is a good thing to do now. John McDonough. I am not in favor of impeachment. Uh, I'm not in favor of it, A, because it's going to be a fool's errand. Uh, It's not going to, it's not going to be a conviction in the Senate. And if there is not a conviction in the Senate, then Trump will come out full blast saying totally acquitted, totally innocent, and uh, it's going to just simply strengthen his uh, his 
portrayal of himself as a uh, victim. As a victim. Uh, Dave Lindy. I'm in favor of appropriate congressional oversight. Um, I am not in favor of current impeachment. I think it would be a, a huge strategic mistake by the Democrats. Okay. But if in the course of this investigation, members of the House are, are, are bringing up members of the administration trying to get them to speak, and the administration says they're not going to make them available, then, then each side will have a political argument to make. Sure, and a legal argument. And a legal argument. That's right. But the, but the public will ultimately decide on that. Yeah. Does well, it does it does an impeachment uh, and again to our Democrats does an impeachment impede the ability of any of the Democratic candidates to get traction to talk about bigger, more important issues as to why they should be pre- president and replace Donald Trump? Um, I think the the campaign will go on, but it'll be a big distraction. An impeachment uh, uh, would be a big distraction, even though even though it would be a foregone conclusion, the outcome. Dave? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, uh, Democratic candidates who are fixated on impeachment are are trying to throw bones to the base to get attention, and uh, I think it's a mistake. Um, I think that what this election is going to be decided in 2020 is the same thing that the midterms were decided in 2018. It's going to be about the Trump administration's attempts to take health care away from the American people. Oh, for God's um, sake. It's about the Trump administration's attempts to <laughs> go in the courts – to take away the pre-existing condition protections. Oh, they did nothing of the sort. They did exactly did you, did of the you, sort. Are you, you kidding me? Did you read the December 14, 2017 executive order expanding short-term health insurance plans? There was nothing in that order that took away coverage for pre-existing conditions. No, I'm talking in about fact, the court it case. it created association health plans, which were cheaper especially in Iowa and Nebraska, and the premiums were less, and they covered all of the same things Obamacare does. I'm talking so, about the court case where the Trump administration refused to defend the law, where they sided with the attorney they, defend, they, they flip-flopped why because would they defend it's that the law. law. I it want doesn't to, matter because gentlemen, the law you're supposed to defend it. Every law that Republicans, the Democrats pass, Republicans are supposed to gentlemen, defend it. Gentlemen, I want to... I want to fantasy world. Gentlemen, I want to come back to that. But I want to talk about another political, uh, big political story of the week, and that is... Joe Biden finally announced that he's running for president of the United yeah, States, and he selected uh, to talk about uh, Charlottesville uh, in the video when he announced. He also uh, was sort of slammed uh, on almost day one or day two by the New York Times that brought up the Anita Hill issue uh, and, and, the, and the confrontation that, that she had uh, with Chairman Biden uh, in, the hearing, in the hearings for Clarence Thomas. Judith Sherwin, I want to turn back the clock to 1991 when Anita Hill first came forward and Clarence Thomas was sitting in uh, the hearing room. Your politics were a little bit different then than they are now. That's true. Reflect for us what was your concern about Anita Hill and Clarence Thomas and Joe Biden then and what do you think of that issue as it's being regurgitated on the campaign trail for 2020. Right. Um, you know, the truth is uh, I've, I've watched some of the replays of Biden's behavior during the committee. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember at the time, my politics were quite different in those days. Right. I remember um, being in the car with my son, who was then about six years old, listening to the testimony over the radio, and it was really the first time we had that kind of uh, spectacle going on with, with that kind of discussion of, 
her allegations. And I remember turning the radio off because I didn't want him to hear it. I didn't, he, you know, because at one point he asked me, well, what's wrong with a Coke can, Mom? Yeah. You know, I'm going to yeah. have to start explaining to him right. what that's all about. So after listening to her I, at that time, I really did not believe her at that point. I really didn't. I thought at the time that perhaps I, I, I didn't really know, but, but my impression at that moment, even though I was very much on the Democratic side at that point, um, although I was very pleased by the appointment or the potential mm-hmm. appointment of Clarence Thomas to the bench, and I thought something about this doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make any sense. What was your opinion of Joe Biden? My opinion of Joe Biden, quite frankly, at the time, I really didn't have much of an opinion. I thought other people on the on the committee were much harder on her than Joe Biden was. I mean, what was he supposed to do? Was he supposed to prevent anybody from coming forward with any other kind of testimony? What What was he supposed to do? To protect her, I guess, is the real question that that I have now, and I don't rem- I don't remember listening to that and thinking to myself, "Boy, Biden's really, really down on this woman. He's really giving her a hard time." I don't remember any of that. All I remember is thinking to myself, "What in the world is going on here?" And if a man is behaving that way with one woman, he behaves that way with all women, and and that's just the way it is. So the whole thing didn't make sense to me at the time. When we come back, I want to get everybody else's reaction, including yours, John, as a journalist, uh, how, how Joe Biden acted then and how he acted last week. I'm Bruce Dumont. Don't go away. <laughs> juice, Mom. Juice, juice, juice. Mommy, why are we going to the store? Mom, Mom I want Mommy. juice. Mom, juice, juice, juice. Mom. Your child will have different needs at different stages of life, and that includes the car seat. See, car crashes are a leading killer of children ages 1 to 13. Protect your child's future at every stage of life. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. When you went car shopping, you meant business. You ace vehicle history searches and test drives. You out salesmen to the salesman. Now you've got your wheels. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. With 401k tips and smart saving strategies, you'll have the info you need to get more for your future. Go to aceyourretirement.org. Because when it comes to speeding past financial challenges, you're an ace. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thanks very much for joining us tonight. 1-800-723-8289. We've got four great guests this evening. We're going to ask them to introduce themselves. And we begin with C. Stephen Tucker. I am Steve Tucker. I'm the healthcare policy team leader for the Illinois Tea Party. Uh, 23-year licensed health insurance broker. Conservative and Republican by necessity, not by choice. (laughs) Judith Sherwin joins us. Hi, I'm Judith Sherwin. I am an attorney. Um, I work in a partner at uh, Lewis Brisbois Biscard and Smith. I'm also an adjunct professor at Loyola University teaching uh, religious liberty in the law school uh, in a seminar and um, and uh, online teaching business ethics and uh, and other topics. Mm-hmm. I have to ask you a follow-up based on the last segment. 
once you and I have known each other for what thirty five years. Yes. So I knew you as a young, very liberal, anti war Democrat. When did you switch? When when did the transition? Give us the short version of your transition. The short version is probably I I've always I hate to quote Ronald Reagan, but um, wow. I don't feel that. I left the Democratic Party. I think the Democratic Party left me. I don't really feel that my positions are all that different today than they were then. I'm still passionately anti-war. I still have the same positions about civil rights that I had when when I knew you. Um, Still a civil libertarian. I'm still uh, espousing all of that, but I just feel like the world has gotten completely crazy. And... um, I think it it probably started somewhere in the middle of the Obama administration, and it's just gotten progressively more difficult for me to be a Democrat as time went on. John McDonough also joins us. John, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I am John McDonough. I have uh, been for a number of years an independent producer for uh, National Public Radio's uh, All Things Considered. Uh, Did uh, many pieces with... uh, Robert Trout and with uh, Walter Cronkite and a number of my own. Uh, I uh, teach at the uh, Bainan School of Music at Northwestern University, history of jazz, which in a sense is a history of race relations in uh, the United States in the 20th century. Dave Lundy. Uh, I am uh, president of uh, Aileron Communications, a PR and public affairs strategy firm uh, focusing on uh, clean energy uh, developers as well as uh, technology and manufacturing. Uh, and uh, I am a rabid Cubs fan, um, so uh, I, am, I am hoping that my uh, my Cubbies will will come back and have a really strong rest of the season. One of the big stories, as we mentioned, Joe Biden uh, throws his hat in the ring last week, and um, some have suggested that he may have stubbed his toe with the Anita Hill uh, problems that he's addressed. Um, Yet everyone views him as the front runner. Dave, Rund, uh, Dave Lundy, are, are you happy that he is viewed as the front runner? And uh, is he your candidate? He's not my candidate. Um, I, I, I actually am undecided in the Democratic Party. I'm, I, I'm impressed by certain candidates. Uh, I, I very much like Mayor Pete. Uh, I like Amy Klobuchar. Uh, I'm very intrigued by Kamala Harris. She's way further left than I am, but... Uh, I think she has a really interesting combination uh, of skills and uh, factors that, that I think will make her a very formidable candidate. Um, and, you know, look, I, I like Vice President Biden. Um, I respect Vice President Biden. Uh, but I, I will say this to Vice President Biden. I will say this to Bernie Sanders. They are too old. It is time to turn the page. It is time to bring a new generation of leadership. Um, and the, I'm sorry, but it's uh, their time has come and gone. Uh, John McDonough, when you heard Bernie Sanders in the CNN debate this past week say that he would support voting rights for the Boston bomber Mm -hmm. and made a very strong defense of that, it was a story for about a day and a half, what was your reaction to that? Was was that too far for you to go? You're you're very liberal. Yeah, it was too far for me. And uh, it was, uh, uh, I mean, he said all he could say was, this is what I believe. Okay, fine. Uh, it's not what I believe. Uh, I think, though, the uh, idea of uh, extending the franchise to uh, uh, convicted people who have served their sentence and have been released uh, appropriately, I think that's that's a pretty much of a slam dunk. That's that's an easy one. Uh, so I would certainly support did he that. Do, did, did Bernie Sanders do a disservice 
to that cause, which I agree with, yeah. did he do a disservice to that cause by going out in such an extreme position with the Boston bomber? I don't know that he did a disservice. Yeah, I suppose he did. Uh, and he really staked out a pretty extreme position because you're talking about uh, terrorists with uh, the Boston bombers. Um, I, the, the main thing about uh, that, that bothers me about uh, Bernie is um, I, I, if, if, he, if he was ever nominated, uh, I know for sure that the Republicans would bring out the, uh, the old you know, socialist uh, red flag of socialism. Mm-hmm. And socialism is, is one of these words that's viewed with uh, respect uh, in most of the countries around the world. Oh. Social Democrats in Germany. Really? Uh, I, could you name a country where they respect socialism? Uh, all over, all over Europe, uh, socialism oh, is re- and, works and, great over there. And 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 you know as well as I do that uh, all the mature Western economies are mixed economies: socialist, mm-hmm. capitalist economies. It's true of the United States. It's true of Sweden. It's true of Denmark, Germany, France. Right so on you down need the capitalism line. Capitalism to help socialism survive. Right? They need socialism- to help each other. They can't get along without each well, socialism other. Socialism can't. Can't exist. You're talking capitalism. about you're, you know, all socialism yes. is not Moscow and Venezuela. Uh, socialism is is many things. Socialism is part of a political it, process that makes it possible for capitalism to sustain and exist. And for the murder of about a million. 100 million people. Well, that's Europe. not the socialism of that's Europe, and it's not the socialism no. of the United States. You're going to make it all but better. But the point is, uh, if, if Bernie uh, Sanders ran, uh, the uh, red flag of socialism would yep. rise again, and it would be like the Cold War and be like uh, you know McCarthy in 1953 all over again. Do you agree with that pretty much? That, that, that's, that, that the, 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 uh, the black mark against Bernie Sanders would be so significant that uh, no matter how enthusiastic his supporters are, it would be an uphill fight. Yes, uh, I do. I I, uh, I did not support Senator Sanders last time. I would not support him again. Uh, I I am not a socialist. I'm a capitalist. I'm a I am a democratic job creator, uh, and uh, I think uh, Bernie Sanders uh, should. Um, you know, look, I get it, and there's a strong progressive left in my party, um, but. Uh, the Republican Party also will accuse everybody of being socialist. They said Barack Obama was a socialist. They said that Bill Clinton was a socialist. Um, and we so, did? Clinton? Judy, oh, yeah. Judy Sherwin, my oh, question yeah. to you is, do you think, from a political standpoint, do you think uh, Bernie Sanders should be let off the hook with his position on the Boston bomber? No, I is don't that, think... Is that his Willie Horton moment? I, uh, it's pretty close. I mean, it, he he doesn't seem to be able to do anything but go to the end in in all of his discussions. He doesn't seem to have any kind of ability to have a reasonable position. I understand what you're saying, John, about about Europe and socialism in places like Mm. Sweden and Denmark, but they're not socialist countries. Correct. They are very capitalist-minded countries. And and they they have certain tinges of socialism, most of which are supported by the fact that everybody works mm-hmm. and everybody contributes mm-hmm. to the social programs. Mm-hmm. So 
that's not really the socialism that we're that we're concerned about here. But somebody like Bernie Sanders, he's not able to do anything but take an extreme position. He is a socialist. If you talk to him, he will tell you that he's a socialist. A democratic a, socialist. He will always Well, but you. he's a man who who, a who there are videos of him praising being in Moscow and looking at the bread lines. It's mm-hmm. a wonderful thing. <laughs> Look, everybody is equal. They all have to stand in the bread lines. Well, no, that's not really a very good thing. And these are the kinds of positions that he has taken over the years. So he paints himself into that corner. I want to ask our Republicans a question. Given some of the things that are mentioned in Volume 2 of the Mueller Report, which are a a public recitation, again, of some of the the darker sides of of Donald Trump, the things that a lot of voters – overlooked uh, the last time he ran, but maybe, you know, there, there may be some of the moderates that would turn away from Donald Trump because now they've seen evidence of uh, how he does act as opposed to how he might act. So my question to you is, is there any interest at all in a challenge to Donald Trump? And, and no, would Donald Trump be a stronger candidate if he was challenged by some other moderate Republican or liberal Republican? Steve? I don't believe so. I mean, the the president ran in 2016 with absolutely no record, no political experience, couldn't even find people to staff his transition committee. Uh, It was very difficult for him, and he had no record, and we had 63 million people vote for him. Now he has two years of an established record with unprecedented growth in in the market, uh, 3.8% in the last quarter, 3.2% growth in the economy now. Uh, we've got a market that has a $30 trillion cap now, up $6.9 trillion since uh, President Trump took office. So now he's got a record to run on. There's nobody else that's going to beat him. I, mark my words. He Dave, will not be defeated. Dave, do you think that, uh, that the similarity here between uh, the way people feel about Donald Trump now is similar to the way that many Republicans felt about Bill Clinton during the impeachment era, that, that they viewed the president of the United States as a moral leper. However, the economy was good for Clinton. The economy is good for Trump. And when you come right down to it, the American people are more interested in their pocketbook than in their religious beliefs. You know, I think it really depends because oftentimes when the economy does well, uh, people are willing to focus on other issues. And I would refer you to 1988. Um, where you had uh, uh, the economy was doing very well, um, uh, the expansion was going great, um, but uh, the election was decided on the Pledge of Allegiance and the card-carrying member of the ACLU and peripheral issues, um, and George H.W. Bush got elected in that year. So it, it, it's not necessarily the economy. It can go a number of different ways. All right, 1-800-723-8029 from coast to coast and border to border. Live tonight from WIND Radio in Chicago, I'm Bruce Dumont. Don't go away. More talk with our great panel tonight. They'll challenge your authority. They'll try to break your will. They'll push you to the edge of your sanity. Because that's what kids do. But this car is your territory, not theirs. Defend it. Who makes the payments? Who cleans it? Who drives it? You do. That's who. And in here, your word is law. So when you say you won't move until everyone's buckled up, you won't budge an inch. Until you... 
give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. For more information, visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. And uh, Dave Wendy, uh, you mentioned that you're not for Bernie Sanders and uh, you're not wild about Joe Biden. But uh, you're going to throw a fundraiser for someone, which sort of indicates that there's something more than a passing fancy for uh, Mayor Pete. Yes, I, I am. Uh, I am supporting uh, Mayor Pete uh, in this fundraiser. I, I'm co-hosting the fundraiser. Um, I, I am not 100 percent committed to Mayor Pete, though. I'm. You can call me Pete Curious. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I am very much uh, intrigued by how he approaches issues. My general feeling is that he's he's too young and too inexperienced. But I think that the conventional playbooks have all been thrown out the thrown out the, right. the window. Uh, with Donald Trump, and so I'm I'm trying to open my mind and and say, hey, uh, we can do better. Judy, you said during the break that uh, there's one person in the Democratic field that uh, you you are intrigued with, even though you're a very strong Trumper supporter. That's that's correct. I I kind of like Amy Klobuchar. Why? I mean, I I found her to be reasonably thoughtful during the Kavanaugh hearings when everybody else was behaving like a rabid dog. Uh, I think that she's I've, – I've heard her speak a couple of times. Her positions do not seem to be completely, you know, off the wall. And and she doesn't seem to be pandering to anybody. So I, I, I think she's got some substance. I also think that, uh, you know, the, the mainstream media that is looking for other kinds of candidates – are trying to go after her, this business about, you know, she's not nice to her staff. Um, somebody said during the break, do we really know, I think it was Dave, do we know Do we know how Abraham Lincoln treated his staff? Do we know how Roosevelt treated their staff? Did it matter? Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of, I look at her and I think she's okay. She's Steve, is there, is there anybody on the Democratic side that worries you? Uh no, but for entertainment purposes, I'd like to have Crazy Burmy and uh, Klobuchar get together because he combs his hair with a balloon, apparently, so he can use her salad fork yeah. to comb his hair. That'd be great. Is she, uh, John McDonough, uh, your assessment of the Democratic field and, and, and what is it about uh, Mayor Pete that, that has propelled him from the, from the field at the moment? Well, he seems to be giving very uh, reasonable and thoughtful uh, answers to uh, all the questions that are put to him. Um, and, uh, as a Democrat, you would say. As a Democrat. Yeah. And um, you're, you're right, Dave. He does have a uh, – he, he has come out of kind of left field. He's a youngish-looking fellow. Um, and, um, but Too young? 37 uh, years old. Can you can you go from being the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, no. to the no. leader of the free world? No, no. Well, I mean, yes, you can, uh, but I don't know that he has the uh, the juice to do it. Uh, Agreed. I mean, if you could, but, but I would I would also point out. I mean, he, he is an Afghan war vet. Um, right. uh, he is part of what makes Mayor Pete interesting is that he's a very interesting background. Um, here you have a, a, a gay man who is um, a mayor of a of a. The town of South Bend in very conservative Indiana. Um, he is a he's a war vet. Um, uh, he is a Rhodes Scholar. Um, and you know what? What Mayor Pete gives you. Um, and yes, I realize I just said I'm hosting a fundraiser, but yeah. what I think is the reason that he has gone from obscurity to top three uh, is his authenticity. 
Remember, authenticity is something that in this country we value pretty much above all else. It's the reason that Barack Obama uh, did so well against Hillary Clinton. He was and he's likable. More authentic and likability. Um, Donald Trump had authenticity, um, and, and I think that it's something that, that's going to carry him a long way. It's interesting. It's the exact same conversation we had about Robert Francis Beto O'Rourke mm-hmm. only about three weeks ago. He was the it girl. Now he's what happened? passing thunder. What, are, same combo. About what, what happened? Because, because Mayor Pete really has stolen thunder from Beto. Is yes. Be- but yet Beto is out there. He's only like one point behind in the most recent poll that came out. Yeah, he's but at, he, he he's can't at 4%. Uh, right. Mayor Pete is at 5%. But... But can Beto O'Rourke get back on track? You're not a big Beto fan, I've right? never been a big Beto fan. Or, Why not? Or as I call him, Bouncy Beto. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, first of all, I don't like the wild gesticulation. It's, it's just, it just makes me literally physically uncomfortable. Um, but I find Beto to be an empty suit. I, I, don't, I don't find anything interesting. I don't find his responses thoughtful. I think his, his penchant for oversharing um, as we all saw with the what was it, Facebook Live of his dentist appointment, yes. it's like Jesus, dude, ha- have some boundaries. Um, so, I, so I, I actually, let me, but let me, and I don't think Beto. I mean, I just just to finish yeah. the thought, I don't actually think Beto um, had the from obscurity to you know ra- a rapid rise. Um, the way that that uh, Mayor Pete has, right. Beto was perceived to be oh hey you know he just came off this barely losing thing. That's the other reason I don't like him. Like, can you imagine Donald Trump every one of these rallies going, "My opponent's a loser." Uh, I just, it's just no, no, don't do that, Democrats. And fortunately, the responses have been but, uh, positive. I'm going to ask you a question about. It. I, I agree with you on the loser tag, but again, uh, if 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 Mayor Pete was on the ticket, I don't think Mayor Pete would carry Indiana. I agree, uh, but could if if Beto O'Rourke was on the ticket. Could he possibly win Texas? And doesn't that change the whole ball game? Yeah, but but the point is is that he lost, all right. And he so won. why would he all of a sudden, two years later, four years later? Because Texans he, may like and be turned on by a Texan president, not so much by a Texan U.S. senator. Yeah, Texan I, I don't think so. I don't I'm, think I'm so. Saying. Conservative, no. conservative. But Texas. every other candidate that's running is running from a state that. They would all automatically win, don't you think? Mm, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure. Other than Mayor Pete, other, other than, than Mayor Pete, right? They're, they're, I don't think they don't. I don't know. You know, I mean, look, Minnesota. Trump almost pulled off Minnesota last time. We got a pause. Right, so when we come back, our panel will be back. Hopefully, you'll be back as well. I'm Bruce Dumont, live the night from WIND Radio in Chicago, coast to coast and border to border on the Beyond the Beltway Network. mistakes kind of take over my life. I was 0.5 credits away from completing high school and I didn't do it. 
Ten years later, at age 28, Jackie finished her high school diploma. When I found out that I was pregnant, I know that I had to do something for myself if I wanted to make her a better person and provide a better life for her. My family never stopped pushing for me to be better because they knew what I could become and who I could become as a person. My support team is amazing. The educational director, my sister, and even my seven-year-old daughter has just been more than the support that I could ask for. I've been given an opportunity, and I'm just thankful for it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Hey y'all, I'm Blake Shelton. I love that country music connects people all over this great nation, but unfortunately so does something else. Childhood hunger. 15 million children struggle with hunger in America. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks works to rescue our surplus food to help provide billions of meals to families in need across the country. Join the fight against hunger at feedingamerica.org. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. I wasn't prepared to be a caregiver to mom. I had no idea how hard it would be and what I would need to know. Things I never thought of, like how to improve her mood and ways for me to stay positive. Luckily, I found the Caregiving Resource Center from AARP. It had articles about the basics, but also information about the hurdles I was facing. Caregiving Resource Center at aarp.org slash caregiving. Articles, tips, and tools to help you both care for your loved one and care for yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Mom? Juice, juice, juice. Mommy, why are we going to the store? Mom, Mom I want Mommy. juice. Mom. Juice, juice, juice. Mom. Your child will have different needs at different stages of life, and that includes the car seat. See, car crashes are a leading killer of children ages 1 to 13. Protect your child's future at every stage of life. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. When you went car shopping, you meant business. You ace vehicle history searches and test drives. You out-salesman to the salesman. Now you've got your wheels. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. With 401k tips and smart saving strategies, you'll have the info you need to get more for your future. Go to aceyourretirement.org. Because when it comes to speeding past financial challenges, you're an ace. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. This is Bruce Dumont, and we return with our second hour of the On the Beltway this evening with Judith Sherwin. She is a Republican attorney. Stephen C. Stephen Tucker is a Republican health care expert. David Lundy is a Democrat and head of Aileron Communications, and Democrat John McDonough is an independent journalist, does a lot of work for National Public Radio, 1-800-723-8029 is the phone number. And uh, I want to begin... Uh, the president last evening decided not to go once again to the uh, Washington Correspondents' Dinner. He decided to have yet another rally, and it was a big rally up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And during that rally, uh, it was the first rally he has had since uh, the Mueller report verdict has come in. And uh, he obviously, uh, you referenced this, uh, Steve, that uh, he's been very frustrated uh, with the way in which he feels that he's been treated by uh, the Justice Department and some in the FBI. And last evening, uh, he referred uh, to those 
uh, within the upper echelons of the FBI as scum. Yeah. Uh, is that too strong a word to use? Because, again, everyone on the shows today were making the point that, again, he was really disparaging all members of federal law enforcement. Uh, and the media is always quick to point out when he uses a word like that mm-hmm. uh, and, and suggesting that it, it was a, you know, a broad brush. Yeah. I don't think it is. But, again, yeah. why, give them, why give them the ammunition? Well, he, he's made that clarification many times that he respects the, the rank and file of the FBI and the CIA and all of our intelligence agencies. It is John Brennan. It is Comey. It is the people that were behind this overthrow of his administration. It was a coup, as he correctly states. And it's funny that the Mueller report mentions nothing about the Steele dossier, the fact that uh, uh, Felonius von Pantsuit, a.k.a. Hillary Clinton, paid for this organization to use Russian information to create the Steele dossier and then feed it to John Brennan in order to abuse the FISA process. That's what happened, and nothing mentioned in the Mueller report. Nothing. Dave Lundy, your reaction to what the president had to say? Uh, Look, I I am somebody who has always had enormous respect for law enforcement, particularly the FBI. I participated in their Citizens Academy um, uh, I, I just I find the what the president has done um, both last night and beyond to be uh, vile, disgusting. Um, he does paint with a very broad brush. He is tainting the entire uh, uh, law enforcement. The media. When you look, when you look at the percentages, when you look at the percentages of, of Republicans who now have contempt for the FBI versus the percentage of Republicans that have contempt for Putin. I don't know. They have any. a higher percentage of contempt for the I FBI mean, the than truth, they do for Putin. The truth is, yeah, I mean, first of all, the president is always very careful to say who he's talking Correct. about. And he's talking about the upper echelons, the people who we all know whose names we're talking about, mm-hmm. Mr. Comey, Mr. McCabe, who who got and Mr. Struck, Ms. Page, Clapper. They, all, Clapper, Clapper, they all got themselves you. together and they decided that they didn't want this president for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. They are now trying to justify it by pretending that there was really something going on and they really had a reason to see whether or not Donald Trump was a Russian asset. I mean, it is laughable. It would really be laughable. It No, it, it would really be laughable if we had not gone through the last two years of this. And can you imagine a person like Trump, he comes into office, he has some ideas about what he wants to do with America, about how he wants America to appear on the world stage. And he's got this wild witch hunt hanging around his neck for two years. And that is something that comes through very clearly in the Mueller report, that the president's frustration and his his anger and many of the things he did he did were directly connected to the fact that he was having a legitimacy problem on the world stage because of all of this and he wanted this record to be corrected and it wasn't corrected john you're from you're 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 familiar with a long record of the fbi the good the bad and the ugly uh, there certainly was a time uh, during the reign of J. Edgar Hoover, Hoover, Hoover. that many left of center Americans or liberal Americans or even uh, constitutional Americans uh, perhaps would have used that same word to describe the people in and around J. Edgar Hoover. Mm-hmm. Well, do you agree? Do you agree with that? Well, um, Hoover made his reputation in the 30s uh, fighting, uh, right. you, know, you know, crime. I mean, uh, the Dillinger and people like that. Um, 
and uh, but also fighting the communists and the, and the well the communists uh, up to a point. I think that's when uh, maybe uh, Hoover. But I mean, Hoover's name was still um, a, a respected uh, name in the 1950s, even during the McCarthy period. Uh, I mean, uh, the the. Democrats and Republicans both looked to Hoover as sort of the authority. Uh, on, uh, but it wasn't. It wasn't when he tried to get. Uh, I think Martin it, Luther King it was to Martin Luther King. It was. It was in the civil rights himself. thing that he really started to step in it in a big right. way. Um, no, my my point is yeah. that you know there are may there may be conservatives or even a president that uses that term now, mm-hmm. but once upon a time the shoe was on the other foot politically, mm-hmm. and perhaps that what word wasn't used by a presidential candidate or a president. That's my point. I think it's I think it's an inappropriate word. I think he should be more specific when he's talking about you know the the top five or the top seven, the magnificent seven or the, the, the Mal- non magnificent well, seven. <laughs> Trump's- if he names names better uh, and more often, then the I think seven. his point would be uh, <laughs> would be wiser. Well, I, I think uh, I think that's true. But I mean, that's uh, Trump is uh, is not really in, entirely in control of himself. I think when he is, uh, you know, emitting all this invective, um, and that in, in a way that makes it, in retrospect, rather silly why we would ever consider the possibility that he might have been a Soviet asset at one time or another, because the Soviets, I think, would have taken one look at him and decided this is a man who couldn't be trusted anyway, and they wouldn't want him in, in, in their uh, You know, I but, think... Um, I, I, uh, but, this... the list, but the list of Trump's, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> the, the sources of his disrespect on the world stage the possibility that he might have been a Soviet asset at one time or another because the Soviets, I think, would have taken one look at him and decided this is a man who couldn't be trusted anyway and they wouldn't want him in, in, in their uh, ranks. You know, I but, think... Um, oh, I, I, uh, but, this... the list, but the list of Trump's, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> the, the sources of his disrespect on the world stage are endless. The, and, Judith, I mean, the, narr- uh, the narrative about Trump not being in control of himself and not being in control of his White House and all these other things that the, that the media loves to throw out mm-hmm. there. I mean, even Fox News likes to throw it out there. It, it's just not so. This is a guy who was enormously successful in a variety of fields. He ran for president with no experience, nobody to help him. As a demagogue. No, as a person who who had really no idea of what he was doing. And he beat maybe the and he beat everybody. 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 Mm-hmm. Jeb Bush, fifteen other Republicans, professional politicians, Hillary Clinton with her almost a billion dollars worth of money. And he was able to overcome all of that. And nobody wants to give him any credit well, for Dave, that at all. Dave and Lundy. that's what he's aggravated It may be an aberration. I Dave, I, 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 I cannot let the, the talking points that are being spewed on the other side of this, this panel oh, like you over the coup. Nothing, over the coup. There oh. was no coup. No, there wasn't. Yes, there was Thank no God coup. there wasn't. There was no about an attempt? There was no attempt. There, there was, was no conspiracy of seven top people okay. to unthrow what the What this co- was Look, was a disinformation the no, campaign the by the Russians, and they fell for it. Here That's your thing. intelligence this, community. This is the Correct. part that your side can never, ever, ever overcome, and that is this. If the intelligence community wanted to prevent Donald Trump from being president of the United States, all they had to do was leak the fact there was a counterintelligence investigation of people who were part of the Trump campaign during the campaign. 
They didn't do that because there was no conspiracy. Because they didn't think that Hillary would lose nobody, including Back shortly Donald from Trump. Chicago, I'm Bruce Dumont. Hey, y'all, I'm Blake Shelton. I love that country music connects people all over this great nation, but unfortunately, so does something else. Childhood hunger. 15 million children struggle with hunger in America. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks works to rescue our surplus food to help provide billions of meals to families in need across the country. Join the fight against hunger at feedingamerica.org. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. I wasn't prepared to be a caregiver to mom. I had no idea how hard it would be and what I would need to know. Things I never thought of, like how to improve her mood and ways for me to stay positive. Luckily, I found the Caregiving Resource Center from AARP. It had articles about the basics, but also information about the hurdles I was facing. Caregiving Resource Center at aarp.org slash caregiving. Articles, tips, and tools to help you both care for your loved one and care for yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. One of the things that uh, was referenced in the uh, model report, and I want to get everybody's reaction, because this is something that really we can look forward to and maybe focus on. Uh, and I want to ask our Republicans, starting uh, with you, uh, Steve, um, are you concerned about the ability of uh, the Russians to interfere with the campaign in 2020 based on what we know about their activities uh, in 2016? I don't think so. The president's taken action against Russia, uh, sanctions against Russia. I think people are much more aware of what was happening. But that was nothing new in 2016. The Russians and other bad actors have been trying to hack. So you our think the secretaries of state uh, in all 50 states are they've been brought up to speed? Uh, and and again, I oh, guess yeah. my question: Why would Kristen Nielsen, allegedly, as she has been quoted as saying in the New York Times, that when she brought up the subject of election security to the president? For 2020, uh, she was told by those uh, that she should kind of keep quiet about that because the president doesn't like to hear information about that because uh, it it challenges whether or not he won the election fairly and squarely uh, in 2016. Is that true? Or did you read that in the New York Times? Well, I read it in the New York Times. Oh, well, which, which, but 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 again, Fake news. Uh, it it was alluded to uh, Kristen Nielsen. And I guess my question to you, and I'll ask Judy as well, I mean, do you think that there's been enough said and done by the administration or by Congress, Congress has a responsibility here as well, to learn from the lessons of 2016 and, 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 and send a strong message to the American people that their vote in 2020 is not going to be interfered with, whether it's by registration in a Florida county that hasn't been identified or uh, in trying to, uh, you know, uh, you know, sneak into the Illinois voter rolls, which uh, they tried to do in 2016. I mean, the que- look, to, the question is, what is the lesson that we learned from 2016? And and the the Russian interference that the report deals with um, is t- there's no question that there was interference. All right, I can understand why Donald Trump would look at that in the beginning and say, "I won the election fair and square. It had nothing to do with Russians." And and quite frankly, when you look at the amount of interference that there was, he won the election fair and square, and it had nothing to do with the Russians. The Russians did not put Donald Trump in the White House. He. He, let's face it, the, the man has a tremendous ego, and the idea that somebody put him in the White House and it wasn't his work and his campaign that put him there, that was, that was 
offensive. very offensive to yeah. him, and and that's why he's always reacted to it the way he has. However, so you don't the, think you don't think the bots had any influence at all? No, I don't. I okay. really don't. And so when you're frankly, talking about losing, when you're talking about the Democrats losing a state by ten thousand votes, you're basically saying that that Russian bots didn't have any impact. On that 10,000 margin. Look at the 10,000 votes we're talking about, okay? So we're talking about Wisconsin. We're talking about places that have become depressed because Mm -hmm. of the globalization factor. We're talking about Pennsylvania. We're talking about Ohio. Mm -hmm. I mean, in Ohio, he won by, what, nine points? Mm -hmm. Okay, that's hardly uh, a small margin. You're talking about places where people's jobs had disappeared, and you have a guy who's a businessman saying, you know what? You've gotten a raw deal. I'm going to get you your jobs back. I'm going to bring the economy back. That's why he won. It's not the Russian bots. No, I understand. I understand that. And and I would agree with you that those are all important political issues. All I'm asking, it's the what if question. (coughs) Would you acknowledge, is it possible? Is it possible that this Russian effort... I did have some result in the precincts. Well, first of all, it's never it hasn't been charged. I'm not charging, and I'm just right, asking right. you know, if you're talking first about ten thousand votes. Russians, the Russians have been screwing with us since 1918. Okay, yes. so they this is this is nothing new. new. And let us remember under whose watch all of this occurred. Okay, if the Russians were messing around in the election and there was reason to know it was going on which the democrats actually admit there was reason to know it was going on i mean having a meeting with with putin and saying cut it out that's not going to get you anywhere all right and so the the sanctions the 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 tough stance about the Russians interfering. That's something Donald Trump had no effect on that. So the question is, what are they doing now? Well, now they are taking steps. They have been taking steps with the secretaries of state of the various states. You know, we're going to argue about whether it's enough. I don't know whether it's enough. But the question is, they are focused on 2020. The president has even said they're focused on 2020. And quite frankly, like, like Steve, when I read when I read something, well, I don't barely read the New York Times anymore because mm-hmm. they've become the most anti-Semitic organ in, in, in the mainstream media, Disgusting. including what they published what? Friday in the newspaper. Oh, yeah. um, I'll show you, Jen. I mean, <laughs> the, the, some of the stuff that, that you read in the New York Times is really not worth to wrap the fish paper in. So yeah. as far as I'm concerned, I stay away from them. But uh, but I read the story about, about Christy Nielsen and... You know, I've read a lot of things in the New York Times, and a lot of the things that I've read Dave, there have not been correct. Your reaction. Actually, most of the things have been correct. That's what the Mueller report said. It documented all those instances that the New York Times and the Washington Post had reported on, that Trump had denied, that the administration had denied, that you had denied. It turns out they were all correct. So like that, I'm sure this one was correct as well. And in fact, they're not taking enough action. They're not taking enough uh, steps to protect the votes. I'm familiar with uh, with uh, some of the issues with the voting systems. You've got voting systems around the country that are operating on old, antiquated uh, operating systems. Uh, there are states around this country that have uh, 100% digital uh, voting systems that do not have a paper backup. It's one of the things that the Democrats tried to do is pass a bill that would allow for paper backup. Uh, the Trump administration opposed that. The Republicans opposed that. Um, 
our voting systems are vulnerable. The Republicans, I'm sorry, the Russians, Freudian slip, have tested that. Um, they tested it repeatedly, and we were found to be wanting. I know of uh, hackers who have tested our systems here in Illinois and found gaping holes that are not being supported. So, is it is it a mistake by the Democratic candidates for president not to use their respective bully pulpits to to alert the American people? I mean, I mean if Amy they really think it's has, an issue. has referred to it to some extent on, when she was on television today. I think but they I'm will. I'm talking about. It, she talks about. It seems about to me backup. this is something. Yes. This is also something that you could have Republicans and Democrats agree on. Well, listen, I you know. Bruce, as you know me for 35 years, you know that I was very much involved in anti-vote fraud yes. issues in Illinois. Paper ballots are probably the worst idea in the universe for securing an election. Mm-hmm. One of the best you ideas... Mean, you mean uh, ballot stuffing? Right, And I think paper backup may be a good idea. Getting off the Internet is a better idea, okay? Um, and I think these these ideas have been floated to the secretaries of states. But let's remember that that we are a federal system, and the states have some responsibility here too, all right? Mm-hmm. A federal election goes on in 50 states. So the secretaries of state perhaps need some help to to secure the ballot, all right? It's not something that Congress necessarily is going to do from on high. It is something that needs to get done in the states, and perhaps the federal government will help with it, and the, and the Department of Homeland Security is obviously a good place to start. Well, and by the way, some of the, some of the warning by the Obama administration, uh, by uh, Jed uh, Johnson, uh, he, had, he, had, he got pushback. Right. by secretaries of state because they didn't like the idea of the federal government r- making recommendations mm-hmm. because you, you have to walk that tight line. You know, what, when does a recommendation become a, 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 it's a, a federal? Well, it's a federal system. You right. have to deal with that. Right. Let, let's remember what happened after 2000, uh, after Florida and the hanging chads. The, the, the Congress passed the in a bipartisan fashion the Help America Vote Act, HAVA. HAVA was intended to... Um, help modernize some of the voting systems, and and it did. Mm-hmm. It just didn't do enough. And so, by the way, when I talk about paper backup, I, I want to be real clear. So, folks who are in Cook County use uh, when they use electronic voting machines when they go to cast their ballot, they go onto a screen, and then there's a there's a little uh, a paper on the right side yeah. of the screen, mm-hmm. and before you cast the ballot, it says, "Are these the people you mm-hmm. voted for?" And mm-hmm. you review, and you say, "Yes, those are the people," and then you cast your ballot. So there is a permanent record. Of that, so that it can be audited. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Whereas some of the states that use some of these machines by Diebold and others, um, I don't think Pennsylvania uses that. I don't know if Pennsylvania uses it. Ohio certainly does use these machines, mm-hmm. um, but again, it varies by district and by county, etc. Well, it, it varies um, by the states. Right. They make these decisions, and within the states, no, I I completely agree. And um, but but th- those systems, literally, there's no paper record of what happened. So all you have to do is get into the system. And manipulated. And one of the concerns that a lot of folks in the intelligence community had about what happened in 2016 is they were probing, they were testing, they wanted to see what might happen in the future. And so, you know, will we even know? It, by the way, this could go both ways. It could hurt right. you guys. It could hurt us. I right. just, I wish Barack Obama had protected us. That's all I wish. 
I mean, in all honesty, this was going on. We knew it was going on, and nobody did anything about it. So, including the president. Including well, no, he, the president. He did, he did stuff. He did not do enough. And when right. Mitch McConnell right. and when right. Mitch when, when Barack Obama went to the four leaders of Congress and he said, "We have extensive evidence of Russian interference in this election, and I want to talk about that in a bipartisan fashion." Right. Mitch McConnell vetoed that, and Barack Obama should have ignored the veto and yes, just said it anyway. And he didn't do that. I agree. Totally good. That, that's that's where the ball was dropped. And again, uh, uh, there were those in the Obama administration that had warned uh, the president or the administration about it. I don't know whether they warned the president or the administration about it. And Susan Rice told that person to stand down. Mm-hmm. Right. And that that good that memory. that that report came from Michael Isakoff, who again is uh, no friend of uh, conservatives, mm-hmm. but again, uh, he is a great journalist mm-hmm. and. This is a piece of information he has shared with the American people. When we come back, more conversation. You've got a half hour to go, and I've got lots more questions. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks for joining us today. <laughs> juice, Mom. Juice, juice, juice. Mommy, why are we going to the store? Mom, Mom I want Mommy. juice. Mom. Juice, juice, juice. Mom. Your child will have different needs at different stages of life, and that includes the car seat. See, car crashes are a leading killer of children ages 1 to 13. Protect your child's future at every stage of life. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. When you went car shopping, you meant business. You ace vehicle history searches and test drives. You out salesmen with the salesman. Now you've got your wheels. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. With 401k tips and smart saving strategies, you'll have the info you need to get more for your future. Go to aceyourretirement.org. Because when it comes to speeding past financial challenges, you're an ace. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Back in Chicago and during the last break, uh, Stephen Tucker, you were roughing up the New York Times. And uh, during the commercial break, uh, Judy Sherwin was going apoplectic over the Times. So why don't you share with your audience uh, what you feel? And I guess we have some some bipartisan buy-in on what you're about to say and what you're outraged uh, about with the New York Times. Well, um, uh, on Friday, if you can't see this on radio, unfortunately, but on Friday, the New York Times published a cartoon uh i i don't even understand what it had to do with the article it was on top of but they published a cartoon that is a a picture of donald trump walking a dog and the dog is netanyahu and and you know the the idea is that netanyahu is pulling trump around on various issues now this cartoon aside from the fact that it is disgusting all by itself um, I mean, it's, it's an anti-Semitic trope, and it is a copy of a Nazi propaganda yes. poster from the 40s showing Churchill being led around by some ugly Jewish person pulling him into World War II. I mean, it is absolutely disgusting. And so the Times issued an apology. You know, we never should have published it. No, you never should have published it. How did it get through your editorial department and get published to the international edition of the New York Times? That tells me everything I need to know, and it confirms everything I feel about the New York Times. Dave Lundy, you have a comment on it as well. Yeah, I I, I thought the cartoon was was disgusting. Um, As uh, as one of the founders of the uh, Illinois Holocaust Museum, 
Um, you know, I, I've seen cartoons like that uh, in our museum, and that—that uh, that, that is, you know, it's not just that it's a picture of Netanyahu uh, with, with Trump, and you know, with Trump having the leash. It's got the Jewish star. Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. And, and and the way they did that was was truly disgusting. Now, where I differ with you. Um, is that I don't think it's emblematic of the New York Times as an anti-Semitic publication, which you said earlier. Um, I don't think that's true in the slightest. Um, uh, but I think that was something that never, ever, ever, ever should have been published. Did the Times make any kind of an explanation as to how it got? Uh, no, they said it was our. We made an error. I, you know, that's nice. Yeah, they I apologized. Mean, okay. the, the truth, though, I from my was this the international edition? This or the, the international domestic? edition okay. of the New York Which, Times, which frankly is even worse. It right. is. Yeah. It is even worse. And, and domestic. If you take a look mm-hmm. at okay. at their positions on various things going on in Israel, I mean, they are obviously very anti Netanyahu. Mm-hmm. Fine, be anti Netanyahu, but the stories that they write about anything going on in Israel is always extremely slanted against the state. Now, once again, you can take positions against the state of Israel. You can have issues with things that are going on in the state of Israel. You can have issues with things that you believe Netanyahu stands for. But the positions that they take are consistently anti-Israel, and many of them are are also worded and, and founded in anti-Semitic Jewish tropes, things about money, things about, uh, you know, undue influence, things about, uh, you know, controlling the world. They publish this stuff all the time. And it's become a situation where people, under the guise of being anti-Israel, are just putting out all kinds of anti-Semitic stuff. And it's coming from the New York Times. Whenever there has been an attack on a synagogue, uh, the media frequently, and some Democrats will suggest that it's rhetoric of Donald Trump that has somehow permeated uh, uh, the, the right-wing uh, society, the white power society, and it has led to uh, these acts of violence, including what happened in, in Los Angeles, uh, San, Diego. The lake, uh, San Diego. Rather. Mm-hmm. My question to you is, are you suggesting that some of these things that are from the New York Times are, are fanning these same flames only – Obviously, I don't think a lot of white well, I, people are subscribing to the New York Times. I I would not. I mean, the the person um, who committed this atrocity on Saturday morning uh, published a manifesto uh, shortly before he went into the synagogue and killed people, killed this lady and shot three other people, one of whom was a child. Mm-hmm. Um was very. I mean, I can't repeat what he says in his manifesto, right. nor do I really want to give him any publicity. But he, the first, the first point of his of his points that he wanted to answer for the media when they would ask why did he do this was, "Am I a Trump supporter?" And he gave an extremely um, profanity laden response about what he thought about Donald Trump, including calling him a Jew lover. Various other things. Uh, and it's, So, obviously, the, Donald Trump did not bring him to the place where he decided to do this. Dave Lundy. Uh, 
Donald Trump has been stoking the dregs of our society um, and oh, stimulating them. Joe you know, Biden you could quote. be quiet long enough to let That's me talk. Joe, well, maybe? you're repeating Joe Biden's quote. That's what he called us today. I didn't hear that Joe Biden said anything. You I didn't, didn't hear well, it? Yeah, no, he called I Trump didn't. supporters dregs of society. No, yeah. I'm not calling all Trump. Classic. You guys are being classic. Well, what I'm, just, I'm saying I'm is he is stimulating then. the white supremacists. Oh, he please. is stimulating them with the anti-immigrant r- rhetoric. And by the way, the Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh... Uh, assassin. The, no, 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 you cannot. The oh. Pittsburgh assassin went into that synagogue because of the attacks, because of the rhetoric about immigrants and the Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society. Which, which is, that, not, is not doing anything with okay. Hebrew immigrants anymore. Okay, okay. so you're going to attack Hyas. Go for it. I'm not attacking Still, Hyas. Go, They're not doing anything in the wanna, Jewish community I anymore. Go, I want to go to uh, Steve Tucker. Go ahead, Steve. Can I just ask you, have you had any diagnostic testing to find out the exact moment your cheese slipped off your cracker? Because that's the biggest load of crap I have it's ever It's not heard. the biggest load of crap. Donald Trump has been stimulating the, the, the underbelly of Donald our society Trump and the white supremacists. wants to secure a border against a no, massive crisis. That is not right what we're talking about nothing here. to do it is not, with it's white It's just like when he denied that he knew who David Duke was when David Duke continues to support Donald Trump. What when does he, it matter? The campaign, David, so David Duke one supports job support Donald Trump. He does not care. indict the president. It's got nothing to do with him. He didn't ask let for let Steve Bannon. Let me ask himself. Oh, okay, hold the it. architect okay, of the alt right, folks, folks, folks. And what is when Joe when Joe Biden in his introductory video uh, talks about Charlottesville and talks about what the president said at Charlottesville, which the president has reinter- you know re- restated what he meant there, which everyone blew out of proportion. But my question is this. When he brings up and makes that the focal point of his announcement, John, is he trying to just foment the relationship between blacks and whites? Is he Does he see this as, as a way in which to get everybody riled up at each other again? Does Biden? Biden, yeah. yeah. Biden I mean, is, by, by picking that, of all the issues in the world that are important to the next president of the United States, mm-hmm. including his own credibility... What does it say about his strategy when he starts with Charlottesville? Good question, Bruce. He's, he's, he's essentially going to uh, a, um, an episode in the Trump administration in which Trump came on and uh, allocated a moral equivalence between <laughs> protesters and uh, uh Racists John, and uh, there was no people moral who were uh, protesting the racists. He stated in the uh, statement. Did not there do that. No but listen. he did. But he did. He said they were very nice people on both sides. No, fine people. Okay, okay. Stephen, respond. Stephen, respond. Just both people, nice people on both sides. Just focus on that, please. There were people. Bad and good, as the president said, in both sides. There was Antifa, which has been designated by our national security agency as a domestic terrorist organization which they, joe biden came out in favor of thank the you first minute reminding that of, of uh, that. after his announcement right and then there were also people there who had a permit by the way to protest the tearing down of the statue of robert e lee That's right. so there were good people there and they had a permit antifa came in the violent radical terrorist left with their black hoods and their knives and their clubs and they started the trouble 
So, yes, there were good people and they bad people. They started the trouble? Are you kidding me? Did they drive the car into the protest and kill that woman? That was Come on. They had a Nuremberg-style rally that night. They started the, the trouble. I'm Give not talking about those people. They're the ones people. who are chanting, Jews will Dave. not replace us. I'm talking. No, I'm not talking about those people. And Once again, you're trying to tie those people together. not talking about those, those people. people. He was talking the about the people who had a permit the, to protest the takedown of right. Robert E. Lee's statue. And all those these, were law-abiding, peaceful people. people Judy, it, if go I, ahead. Can I have a chance? All Sorry. these crazy people, including Antifa and the people carrying the torches, decided that they were going to come out there and create trouble. Yes. And the president very clearly said, I am not talking about the neo-Nazis. They are bad, and everybody should condemn them. That's right. He said that. He said and that, that later on. He, no, he, no said he said that it during first. the press release He at said Trump that Tower. at the press conference. At if Trump you Tower. look it up, if you look it up and you look up the video, you will hear him say that. That's exactly what he said. And he then went on to say something about, he said there were good people on both sides, and he was talking about the people who were there to to protest the taking down of the statue and the renaming Dave, of the park. Dave, you will, you people on your side, you people, you, you people, people, that's a you really Trump nice loving thing. people yeah. will defend this humanity. president no matter how, I will defend him no matter from what his lies conduct is, is and, you, and prevarication me, that you know that you're protest, wrong. That protest was designed as a white supremacist rally. It was not about Robert E. Lee and the statues. And by the way, if you would like to defend Can you calm the down? Confederate statues. Is it possible statues, for you to just control your emotions for five seconds? Can you calm down? And there can were you bad not... people there who oh, were Nazi white there supremacists. There were a lot of bad people there. They were disgusting. Thank you. Disgusting. So it's okay. It's not they, okay that they say there Jews were, will not replace can you just, us. Wait a minute. No, it's that was not horrible. okay. That was horrible. That was horrible. what you are saying now. It's true. But, but there were also people there saying. who had a permit to protest the removal of Robert E. Lee. Those are the people we're talking about, Dave, not the stinking white supremacists. We hate them as much as you do. Well, then we're pausing. Act funny about it. 1-800-723-8289. We've got a hot one tonight on Beyond the Beltway. Bruce Dumont. They'll challenge your authority. They'll try to break your will. They'll push you to the edge of your sanity. Because that's what kids do. But this car is your territory, not theirs. Defend it. Who makes the payments? Who cleans it? Who drives it? You do. That's who. And in here, your word is law. So when you say you won't move until everyone's buckled up, you won't budge an inch until you hear that click. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. For more information, visit safercar.gov slash kids buckle up. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. And again, I think uh, because of the uh, reaction that we had in the studio to just that issue, it, 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 it brings back the question that I asked of John, and that is, uh, Joe Biden, of all the things that he could talk about, mm-hmm. he focused on Charlottesville, which is an issue and a point where America was sort of split, split apart. 
And uh, I'm just wondering whether that is a, a great way to start a presidential Well, campaign. in addition to the um, topics we were discussing, uh, the uh, uh, whether it was a Nuremberg rally or not, there was also the uh, sort of subsidiary question about Robert E. Lee and the display of uh, Confederate uh, monuments. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's somewhat of a separate issue. And, uh, I mean, there are people, I guess, who still are unreconstructed Confederates, and they honor the memory of those mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the fact of the matter is... I are have, they bad Americans? I think they are uh, supporting traitors, obviously. Uh, but what the, the real issue is I was never concerned with the fact that George Washington or Thomas Jefferson owned slaves, and that would preclude any monuments being raised to them. People had slaves in those days. That was the way of things. But the Constitution is very specific about taking up arms against the government of the United States. Robert E. Lee uh, and the, the, everything he represented was an act of treason against the United States. And uh, to uh, ennoble an act of treason against the United States, you might as well put up statues of Gus Hall or, uh, uh, you know... Uh, Abby Hoffman. Abby Hoffman or people like that. Or Hillary uh, Clinton or, who paid the Russians for uh, the Hillary Steel Clinton is not a traitor. Come there on. That's, that's a smear. John, I mean, John, come look, on, it's yeah. a coup. I, I want to I ask John to sort of respond to this because you're, uh, you're a historian. Uh, you love radio. You've done a lot of work yeah. for, uh, for National Public Radio. One of the stories that hasn't gotten a lot of publicity over the last couple of weeks was a decision by the New York Yankees to stop playing God Bless America Absolutely. by Kate Smith. Yes. And then that was followed by uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. A terrible decision. A oh, terrible good. decision. Right. A terrible decision. I'm glad to hear you, you say that. that. A terrible decision. I wrote we should we should mention to the audience that it wasn't that particular song. No. But the fact that Kate Smith recorded other songs... That's why Darkies that Were Born. was this, And I play that in my class at right. Northwestern for, right. st- for students for a particular reason. I once, I once did a piece in the Wall Street Journal on uh, Oak, Park, uh, Oak Park School. This is about 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And they had a mural that was painted by Mildred Waltrup. It was financed by WPA money in 1936. And it was in a prominent place when you entered the school. And it was a map of the world in which various populations, various indigenous people around the world were portrayed in, the, in this map. They included African Americans in cotton fields picking cotton, and they included Africans in uh, their native uh, habitat in Africa carrying spears and wearing loincloths. Mm-hmm. And somebody uh, who was at a student in that school at the time protested it and raised a rather large you know, issue about the way this was presenting African-Americans today in what was then, what, 1998 or something like that, and it was taken down. I wrote a piece in the Wall Street Journal in which I came out very, very strongly against that because that was essentially, uh, you're trying to rewrite history. Mm -hmm. Uh, Taking down, by the way, way, in this particular case, I just want to finish the point. The New York Yankees and the Philadelphia Flyers both decided to take to stop playing God Bless America by Kate Smith by Kate Smith because she had recorded some other is some other songs in 1931 that had some things that were de- that were describing African African Americans at that point the song was that's was, why darkies were born which was not that that's not the style now but it was the style it was then. the style then songs like that were being sung I have a stack of music which I show my students at class that uh, in effect 
uh, it, you almost think it's sort of a must be part of a southern propaganda campaign of the first 25 years of the century, portraying the South as some sort of a paradise lost that no longer exists, but we wish we could go back to it. So uh, what, what, Swanee what you, is what, a right. So what do you remember? I want to get everybody's reaction. Does everybody agree with John on this issue? But this is culture of our past, and we right. can't eliminate right. it. Oh, so let's accept it. Let's embrace it hold and up move now. forward. Hold up One at a time. Go ahead. So you don't like rewriting of history, but the people who had a permit to protest the removal of Robert E. Lee's statue also don't like the rewriting of history. I know it. Robert E. So Lee's statue belongs in a museum, traders? not in a public park. Why not, why not why in a public it's, park? There's nothing to do with you where know, it's look, at. They're trying to because a public park saluting treasonous. Because a public park ennobles somebody every, of honor. Folks, it's, does everybody agree with John on God Bless America? Yes. 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 Okay. Yes. I, well, I do. Dave? Yes. Dave. Dave. He's quiet. Dave. Yes. But <laughs> I don't. Uh, but I, but I agree with them. However, I don't know why God Bless America is suddenly there with the national anthem. Um, I'm like, I love the national anthem. I will sing it every time. Um, but I don't understand why are we singing God Bless America too? Because because since 9/11, when the when a number of senators and Congress people stood on the steps of the Capitol on the day. Of 9/11, and, it was, and they sang it. I forgot Since that, that day, written, everybody has has right. taken that as and part it was of written the by Irving Berlin, who was a Russian and a, immigrant, and right. on 9/11. Well, that's not why. Right. On 9/11, and on 9/11, some people did something. Right. Well, but, but please, oh, let's not please, get let's into not that. Bring up I mean, I. But that's part Omar. of that's. I mean, the Democratic Party cannot get itself together to condemn. I wish Ms. they would. I mean, it's unbelievable to Has me. Has your candidate Buttigieg right. said anything about Omar? Is he condemned I have for no anti-Semite? On that note, we have to say thanks to John McDonough and Judith Sherwin and C. Stephen Tucker and Dave Lundy for their uh, participation in this show. It was a really knockdown drag out from the WYND studios this evening. I want to thank Eric Thomas, the operations chief here at WYND, and George Hoffman has been on the board, and John uh, uh, Benedict. Benedict, John Benedict, who screened the calls. And we thank him doing, he did a wonderful job of screening the calls <laughs> this evening. I'm Bruce Dumont. Until next week at the same time and the same station, good night from Elk Grove Village. <laughs> <laughs>